This week's episode of the Third Line Podcast is brought to you by the Area 51 Sports Network and all of their amazing sponsors. Make sure to head over to area51sportsnetwork.com slash sponsors to check them out, whether it be Bench Clearers, High Stick Vodka, Bet99.com, or Habson. You can get exclusive deals on all of these fantastic products through the website. Support them because they support us. And hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast. to this week's episode of the third line podcast i'm adam today we're joined by jess and chris free agent frenzy was today july 28 2021 there was a lot to talk about so let's just dive in quickly and we'll start with the vancouver canucks I find it pretty incredible that vancouver made 15 signings on day one as of 6 21 p.m pacific time they made 15 signings not like five 15 like it how <laughs> i'm a little confused about that too so is that because were they they were sharing the comets with the blues last year i believe they were sharing an affiliation i th- yeah i think that what also happened is that they had a bunch of they had players who were on the comets last year who didn't want to move to abbotsford okay so that could have been that could have played a part of it but you know what there's a lot of bc kids coming back that's always good to know. They did like they did like ninety percent good job, and then Tucker Pullman came on. But well, we won't talk about that because uh, we're no longer we're going to focus a little bit on Seattle quickly. Yeah. So what Seattle but, did, you know, just 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 to chime in, just because you know we are close to that market, like it's. It is cool to see a lot of BC guys coming back to BC, um, guys like Nick Batan and stuff. So that that Abbotsford AHL team is so deep right now that that a lot of people are saying they might actually make a run at the Calder Cup. So for a first year team, might be fun for the fans uh, in Abbotsford to see a contending team right off the bat. I'm sure uh, David Quadrelli of the Canucks conversation is very excited about Philip Giuseppe, fellow Italian on the team. Yeah. I don't really know much about him. I guess he played on the Rangers. He's a good pl- he's a good uh guy to have in the farm system for sure. Um so since we are a Seattle based podcast, why don't we talk about the three signings and one trade that happened today? So we'll start with the trade where Vitek uh, Vanacek went back to the Washington Capitals for a third round pick. Uh, uh second. Yeah, second, second round pick. Second round pick, sorry. And that was because Philip Grubauer decided that he was going to sign with Seattle out of nowhere. And even Ron Francis said, we didn't know that he was available. So this is going to be very interesting because they thought they had their guy in Chris Dreger. They signed him to a big deal. And then Philip Grubauer, who was nominated for the Vesna this year, comes out of nowhere and says, hey, I want to play in Seattle. 
Yeah, I think it was a reaction move when they found out that Grubauer was available and they just had to say, okay, you know what, the guys we took. I mean, at this point with Dreger's contract, um, I don't know if there'd be as much of a market to move him because he's still relatively unproven and they kind of signed him to a starter's contract. So getting rid of Vandacek was the easy move. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily smart to have, what is it, nine or so, almost $10 million tied up in your two goalies. But you also have two potential, I mean, Grubauer was a Vezina caliber goalie last year. Dreger looks like he's on a projection to be, you know, potentially in that realm within the next couple of years as well. So if I was them, I would be keeping both guys fresh and rocking a 1A, 1B scenario. And if for some reason they do manage to, you know, squeak into the playoffs, I'm assuming Grubauer would be their starter. He'll be nice and fresh if you give Dreger 35 games and give Grubauer the rest, right? If Grubauer can stay healthy. Well, and that's the other reason why it's nice to have a guy waiting waiting in the wings that's easily able to start and not you're not going to be worried like, okay, we were potentially going to go for a run to the playoffs. Now Grubauer's down, so we're screwed. You know, they've, they've got a, a, a excellent backup now. So it's not, I don't think it was part of their plan, but I think in the long run, it could pan out for them. Yeah, yeah you might be right. I mean, I think that, I think they had an excellent backup in VTech. Uh, Vanacek, and I'm kind of bummed actually to see him go back to the Capitals. I was actually looking really looking forward to seeing him um, yeah. progress through Seattle. So I'm yeah, kind of he definitely he would have got more of an opportunity probably in Seattle than being behind Samsonov in Washington for sure. But so the other two moves, Alex Wenberg. per year for three years for the 26-year-old center who kind of had a revitalized revitalized career last year. And a big name, Jaden Schwartz, five years, 5.5 million for the 29-year-old Stanley Cup winner. So any initial thoughts on uh, those two signings? I, you know, Wenberg has always been, I've always been a fan of Wenberg watching him play. You know, he's kind of underrated. He's that third line guy that if you have an injury can pop up onto your second line and he doesn't really look out of place. Um, The Kraken really have sort of an entire roster of those types of guys. So I don't know if it was necessary to bring a guy like that in. Um, With that deal, I might have been tempted to... uh, You know, maybe throw an extra million or so and try and land a bigger name. But yeah, they're they're going to be super deep on second liners. Um, Schwartz is uh, is an interesting one. I've loved his game for years. I thought that he was um, I was going to say underutilized, but I think there was times where he was on the first line in St. Louis. So maybe underutilized is the bad word. But it's he is one of those guys that you can easily build a team around. He's on the tail end of, you know, his effectiveness. Um, But if he's got a couple good years left in him, I think he's going to mold real well with guys like Eberle. And uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank at some of the other high-end forwards at the moment. (laughs) So right now, how 
I know like I foresee them going with when Gord becomes healthy is that you go Yanni Gord down the middle. You have Jane Schwartz on one end and Jordan Eberle on the other. And then you have a second line of Alex Wenberg, uh, Jonas Donskoy and Kelly Yarncroke. Yep. Yeah. And that, that's, that's solid to be honest. I mean, uh, being a bit of an Avs fan myself, I know how underrated Donskoy is. He's, you know, not a top line player, but he's a strong second line player on almost any team in the league. Uh, he just kind of flies under the radar because he's he does it quietly. He doesn't go on massive streaks. He just quietly puts up, you know, one or two points every couple games. And he does tend to get you some big goals when you need them. So I think that second line could be pretty solid. So I think, uh, Chris, you and I have... Uh talked uh, enough here and why don't we hand the floor over to uh jess because she definitely has quite a few things to say about what went down on what's it august july 28 2021 so jess the floor is yours uh, i guess bend we'll, bend we'll, away. we'll put a little Good. bit of a warning here there might be some uh <laughs> there might be some adult language, language. <laughs> well i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna try and keep it relatively PG-13. Calm. Um, I've had my time to process the news coming out of Carolina um, with everything. I mean, there's been so much movement within um, Carolina, you know, losing Reimer and Morozik and Nadelkovich and gaining... Um, can't even remember. I know it's Anderson and who's the did second they get, guy? Did they get Ranta? Yes, Ranta from yeah. Arizona. Um, and then, you know, losing Hamilton to the New Jersey Devils, which I'm so happy for the Devils. Um, but I'm not happy for the Carolina Hurricanes, especially when the on the back end they sign Tony D'Angelo, basically in place of I don't know how you give up Dougie Hamilton and you get Tony D'Angelo in its place. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like, where is the thought process in that? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, this guy has spent so much time being bounced around his leagues, you know, not just in the NHL, but in the um, in the juniors as well because of his behavior. And yet you've yeah. got Don Wydell, you know, coming out in a press conference and saying that they talked to the people that played with him and he's he's solid team player. No, he's not. He got punched in the face by his goalie, for God's sakes. He's been yeah. suspended for, you know, shouting racial slurs at his own teammates and bounced around the league because of locker room behavior, you cannot tell me that he's not, or you can't tell me that he's a solid team player. You just can't. It's no. it's not possible, you know? And it's like this guy goes on a rampage, gets himself banned from Twitter because of the propaganda and political and racist stuff that he's spewing and then you know finds a place at you know parlor and then don wydell of the canes 
turns around and signs him when the Canes have spent the last three years really, really cultivating this this idea that inclusion and hockey is for everyone and all of this stuff. And then they bring this guy in who literally stands against all of that. It literally undoes everything that they have tried to do. And it's a slap in the face to a lot of us fans. And I don't understand why. Like he's not even a good defenseman. No, he's terrible. I mean, yeah, he, he can provide little offense, but there was other people out there today that yes, you might not have been able to get for one mil. Like I get that. So are they that desperate for that offensive defenseman role? I mean, yeah, they lost Dougie, but to to uh, drop themselves to that level to bring in that guy who, let's be honest, should be playing in Russia. His, I mean, let I mean, look at to bring up a, a name from the past, a guy like um, Brendan Leipzig. Yeah, He was basically banished from the league. I mean, he wasn't banished, but he was blacklisted to the point where he had to go to Russia because no teams wanted him. And let's be fair, he did a lot less. I'm not yes. I'm not saying what he did was OK. It was terrible. But in comparison to Tony D'Angelo, it was not that bad. Um, D'Angelo's actions are just disgusting. And. I heard someone say that he was intrigued about the idea of playing for Brenda Moore. And he's like, I I really think that uh, Brenda Moore and myself are on the same page. And I think he's good for me and I'm good for him. I agree with Jess. I I really think that if Brenda Moore is who I think he is, he's going to want to knock this kid out in the first 10 minutes of meeting him. And I really hope he does. Um, I hope they get it on video. <laughs> so this is this is uh, one thing that I think we should point out here because the way that the reporters ask questions is important, especially when these type of scenarios come up. So we have to give credit to uh, Greg Wyshynski and uh, Sarah Siv because during the press conference, especially Sarah Siv, those questions that they were able to ask, really, they were extremely important and they showed that there there has been no change essentially in in the behavior and the thought process of the player so without those type of questions you don't get that you don't you don't really get to see like if the player has actually changed and you know it came out that he said that he apologized and now the back from his junior incident and now they're friends or something and then rachel uh uh, Doherty from Elite Prospects, who knows people from the OHL where the incident happened, came out and said, yeah, people were laughing when they heard that statement. It never happened. So, you know, these type of report, this type of reporting is important because it paints a broader picture here that, you know, the Canes can say whatever they want, that he's going to some class in New York that he won't even verify that he's part of. But the fact that the player is not showing remorse as an apologize for the incidents that happened over at uh, like around a decade ago really questions why they would even attempt to bring it in. We already saw what happened with Montreal and Logan Mayu. Why would Caroline attempt that same fate? And for a player that's below replacement level. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's like, I see in comments on Twitter, everybody's like, yeah, everybody deserves a second chance. This guy is on like his sixth chance. 
and he has continuously shown that he has no intention of changing his behavior. It's time that he suffers the consequences of his actions and no longer gets any extra chances. Yeah, and it falls under, you know, maybe some of that old boy hockey mentality that, like, you know, I don't understand it. And it, to be perfectly honest, like I said, there are other guys out there and you really can't, like you said, you can't give people, playing the NHL is a privilege, not a right. And if he is taking some classes in New York to, you know, adjust his thought process and to try and become a better human or whatever, I don't know if that's the case. But if he is, and he is proud of that, and he is wanting to change, then he would be coming out and saying, like, yeah, I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm happy to, you know, adjust and, you know, grow as a human being. If you are taking that and you are unwilling to bring it up and talk about it, then there's a chance that you're embarrassed about the fact that you're doing it because your followers that are, you know, let's be honest, they are who they are. If you are embarrassed to be like, yeah, I'm trying to become a better person because you know the people that are cheering for you are all assholes as well, then you aren't committed to actually changing. You're doing it to shut up the league and to get a contract because you don't want to play in Russia. So you're like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm just going to sit there on my phone and not actually pay attention. And it's, it's just disgusting. And I really hope that he doesn't survive uh, in the organization and that they realize that it was a mistake. And before the year's out, maybe they can find a way to, I, I don't know if his, how his deal is structured, but I really don't think he plays the entire year in Carolina. I, have no faith that he's changed his stripes. I really, I really don't either. Um, and I hope that Carolina can salvage some of the faith that a lot of us fans have put into them in the last several years. It's very frustrating um, from my standpoint, at least as, you know, as, as a woman in hockey um, and, and watching these, these guys who are continuously given second, third, fourth, fifth chances, um, and just squander them. It's very, very frustrating. And, and the Canes were supposed to be different and they've proven that they're not. And it's very, it's just, I'm angry. Um, and I think I have a right to be, and I think a lot of fans have a right to be angry about this. And, um, you know, I I do believe in, you know, second chances. And and if he is going to that class and he's trying to better himself, great. Then once he's finished that class and he's proven himself, then he can get back on a team. But until then, he doesn't deserve to be work be on a team. No, oh, and I, that's just the way I feel. I've seen a lot of people that are like, oh, just because he has different political beliefs than you means that he shouldn't be able to play in the league. It's no, nobody cares about his political beliefs. I mean, yes, he was outspoken. And, you know, some of the things that were coming out of his mouth were quite idiotic. But political beliefs is not what the issue is. It's the um, constant issues of racism towards teammates. And, you know, some of his tirades uh, have you know, sexist undertones as well. And in a league that's trying to, you know, better themselves. I mean, political beliefs is one thing, but when you are 
being racist towards your own teammates. Not that being racist to uh, opposing teams is any better, but right. what kind of cancer in the room are you if you can't even hold back your racist beliefs to your teammates? Like, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to have a different political view. Um, it's it's another thing to continuously throw it in your other in your teammates' faces and treat them like trash because of your political views. Um, that's that's where it is. It's not about his political views. It's what he does with them. That's the problem. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse because to be perfectly honest, he, this is what he wants. He wants people talking about him. So, you know, I'll drop it after this. But the other thing is, as well, is one of the issues in New York was he had a temper tantrum because he got sat for a couple games because he had a stretch of games where he was not playing well at all. And they stuck him in the press box for a couple games. And he had a hissy fit and he was all pissed off and made the whole thing about him and took all the attention away from, you know, his team and trying to get better. What NHL player hasn't had a stint where, you know, they're kind of playing like garbage and the coach is like, hey, you're sitting in the box for a couple games. Like, how entitled are you that you think you're some kind of superstar that should not be in the box for two games? So take out the political beliefs, take out the racism, take out the sexism take out all those things you're just a bad teammate in general yeah so yep. so why don't we um quickly end this off by talking about one of the so i guess that's you know everybody's negative for this week but why don't we yeah. for our plus minus segment so why don't we end things off with uh with on a little bit of a positive note there were a lot of signings there were a lot of trades so what is everybody's plus of the free agency period? Chris, do you want to go first? Uh, I might need a second. <laughs> there's, okay. so much that ha- there's so much that happened, I kind of need a recap real quick. So why don't I jump in here uh, for the first. So my positive or my plus for this week is Carter Verhage. You know, Carter Verhage really stepped up last year. He had 36 points in 43 games, three points in six playoff games, and he earned himself a mega contract, 4.166667 cap hit per year, three-year deal, 12.5 million with the Florida Panthers. He's one of those guys that it just feels like you feel good cheering for him. You know, he really worked his tail off. He got that extension, and... It just feels like you feel kind of happy for him. Like it's a guy who really earned it. It what he wasn't given it because of what he did in the past. He wasn't given it because, like, what he did ten years ago. Didn't get it because of the name. He earned this contract, and it's pretty cool to see a player like that get rewarded. Yeah, for sure. Um. I'm just looking at some of the names and some of the stuff. There's been so much that's gone on. I mean, I, I'm i torn. I mean, obviously, you know, cheering for the Kraken as we are. It is exciting for a goalie of Grubauer's um, skill set to come to the team. And it's consistent goaltending. Like, Dreger, I think, has got the skills, but he was still a relative unknown. I Like I said, I don't like the idea of spending 10 mil on goalies, but... Having a goalie of Grubauer's caliber on the team is really going to help them to 
have some stability and yeah, they do need some extra scoring, but if they know that they're in every game every night and all they need is to, you know, pop in two or three because chances are Grubauer's not going to let in much more than that, then it should give them some confidence and it's a fairly young team and they're going to be, you know, building the way they want to build. Clearly, they there's been some questionable decisions on their part. So they're trying to build it their way. Um, and I feel good for the guys that are going to be on the team that they know they've got a rock back there. Hopefully his numbers are as good as they were with the Avalanche. Obviously, the Avalanche are one of the best teams in the league. So if he can keep up those numbers, then the Kraken fans have got uh, a stud goalie this year. And yeah, should be fun for them. Jess, do you have any any positives any that you positive. have? I know it was a tough few weeks, both but of my teams. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little bit of a difficult week for Flyer fans and uh, Carolina fans. But there had to have been one one thing that made you a little bit feel good inside. She's uh, thinking, thinking. <laughs> I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um. um <laughs> How about, uh, for your team, what about a guy like Josh Levo? I don't know him enough. Like, I just, I don't, I didn't pay attention to him, honestly. What about um, Jordan Martinook resigning? I am happy about that. I really am happy. I will give you that. That is okay. I love Marty, and I'm so glad that he's back, because he really is one of, like, the hearts of the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think they're really going to need that this year right as as the roster stands right now they're really going to need that kind of heart um because i think it's going to be a struggle for that team this year um another like i i can't say it's a positive because i'm a flyers fan so um and i hate the penguins um but i'm really happy for um Brock McGinn signing with the Pens. I think that that is an incredible talent going to the Penguins, and they're lucky to have him. And I think that Carolina made a big mistake letting him go. Um, so those are those are my two positives with a kind of negative thrown in there. Thrown in the middle. It's a nice positivity sandwich. Yeah. And and Jordan Marnook tweeted out, uh, this one hurts, but couldn't be happy for Brock. Going to miss you, Brocky, and see you in the corners. On yeah. the announcement of Brock McGinn signing a four-year deal worth 2.75 per with the Penguins. Yeah, I don't understand why he didn't re-sign with Carolina. Like, Carolina could have afforded that. There's no reason. Um, but, I mean, I'm not there in those... Maybe you know. he uh, maybe he heard they were interested in D'Angelo and he said, get me the hell out of here. You know, I wouldn't blame him. Um, a lot of guys jumped ship on Carolina this uh, offseason. And, you know, hearing the signing of D'Angelo, I really don't blame them in all honesty. Although I do have to admit, I was a little shocked with Brock McGinn because I know that his girlfriend is actually part of the Carolina Hurricanes organization. She works for them. So I was a little bit shocked to hear that he had signed somewhere else so do we have any anything else about this free agency that we want to quickly uh discuss before wrapping it up this week it was a disaster and i'd like to leave it in the trash bin 
<laughs> Honestly, uh, there was so much that happened today. Obviously, we're recording on uh, Wednesday, so it's it's free agency day. There was so much chaos today that I completely forgot about the trades and all the other stuff that's happened over the last few days. So I'm sure I'll go back and be like, oh, there was that, that trade that I wanted. Yeah, there was that trade that I wanted to talk about, you know, flower. Yeah, obviously, flurry getting treated like garbage, but uh, yep. Oh yeah. yeah also, we'll, uh, you know, Vancouver kind of traded for OEL and Connor Garland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there was also that. I'm not sure. Uh... That was a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Uh, it felt like it. It was like three days ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it really? It happened on. Uh, it happened on day one of the draft, and day one of the draft was like three days ago. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't even know what, I don't want to get into that because we'll just keep going for another, you know. Two hours. Half, Jess, two is hours having a, uh, Jess is having a moment where she's realizing that she has no idea what day of the week it is. I basically yeah. don't. So much has happened. It feels like it's been a year and it's been like three days. Jesus Christ. And thank you once again for listening to this week's special episode of the Third Line Podcast, breaking down all that's happened in free agency. If you did enjoy this week's episode, please leave us a like, give us a comment, let your friends know about us. Make sure you follow us on all your favorite streaming sites and on social media for all the latest news. For Jess, Chris, I've been Adam. Thank you once again for listening, and we hope you have a good week and you join us again next week.